she visited me for my 21st birthday and I can't touch her. We just mouthing each other like, I love you. She's like, happy birthday. She bought a cake that I can't eat. And I'm just staring at her. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for breaking her heart. And to this day, I still think about it. I'm like, I'm sorry, you know? And it's the toughest pain most people would never understand. All right, welcome, my friends, to the Freestyle Way uh, podcast where we talk about maximizing life. And today is a little bit of a different episode as I am going for a long-form format. And I decided to go long-form because I was interviewing uh, my coach, Tony Dam, who is the head coach at Telegraph CrossFit, and uh, someone who has a very interesting story, specifically when it comes to the concept of transformation. So, uh, the following 52 minutes are a conversation about how Tony uh, went through a big transition in his life. And within that transition, he found transformation and transformation became the backbone of the work that he's doing today. Let me see. Sounds like MC Monkey Boy. That was, Is that, was that your name? No, that was uh, my friend that was also... Uh, a rapper with me and I, I used to make beats for him and we used to rap with each other and we used to make love songs song about life just things like that what the frick as you're as you're looking for that uh the first thing i wanted to talk to you about was your instagram handle transformation of life 714 where does that come from it came from when i came out of prison i asked myself ooh who am I? And from who I used to be and who I am now, I noticed that I wanted... That's your beat? That's your beat? Yeah, hold on. I wanted to help others, just like myself, to transform their life into something more than, than just something regular. Like, you know how the one saying, conform, be conform? I was like, let's transform. Let's be transparent. Let's be something like a new creation. That's what transformation was to me was I was once something that was known as to my family members, dumb, stupid, game banger, drug selling, stupid person, born retarded to them. And then going to prison, I was like, you know what? I'm going to prove to you guys. I'm going to be somebody. I'm going to change. I'm going to help kids. I'm going to do something that you guys are not willing to do because you guys weren't willing to transform me, but rather judge me and conform me into this world. And I was like, you know what? wrote a story in prison called Word of the Day, give a speech about altruism, what it is to give to others without expecting nothing back. Because a lot of people in the prison were like, yeah, you give to them, but you're expecting to feel good. I was like, well, I'm not trying to feel good. I just want to do it because that's the right thing to do in my heart. And I want to help others. And it just stuck to me, transformation. How can I transform you today in the gym? How can I change your life? How can you apply the transformation into work, family, school, uh, everyday life, fitness? And it just stuck to me forever. It's better than uh, my old nickname was Blazy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, the cat's clearly out of the bag. You went to prison, and uh, with within you going to prison, you discover some things. And one of those is that you want to be uh, a catalyst for transformation for yourself and for others. And I was I was scrolling through your Instagram, uh-huh. and I think your first post was December sixth of two thousand sixteen. Uh-huh. And I think your first three pictures are of you uh, of. Um, some view, I think, of, of the Bay Area. So it's like uh, a bridge and yeah. the beach. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Was that when you moved up to San Francisco? That's when I just got released out of prison and took a Greyhound over here. Okay, okay. So we're going to get into that. And then the next picture after you have... Um, these these beautiful sceneries you have a picture with your mom you as a baby with your mom and uh a few pictures later is a picture of you uh that is showing up before and after one where you're clearly overweight and the other one you are shredded (laughs) like ripped so i want to talk about those things i want to talk about 
transformation is the theme today. It's th- this is your Instagram handle. This is what you believe in. It's something that's important to you. And then I want to talk about uh, how you went into hmm. prison, and it doesn't even have to be about the details. It's more about what you experienced internally that allowed you to arrive at that point where you uh, found the concept of transformation, and then how you got out of there and where you're at now, where you're coaching me. You're my coach at Telegraph CrossFit, which is amazing, which is down the street from here, and uh, where I take classes regularly and where you're going with that. Like, where are we taking transformation? Uh, and, and, and how, how important is that to you? So, uh, before we even get into that, the 714, what is that? Transformation of life 714. Oh, uh, that's my area code. That's your area code? At, uh, that's Southern California, known as uh, Orange County. Orange County. Is that where you were born? No, I was born in Inglewood. Inglewood. And is Inglewood sketchy? Is yeah, South Central. South Central, where you watch uh, like Menace to Society, Boys in the Hood type of movies on uh, Netflix or whatever it is, right? Is that where you um, began your journey towards prison? Yes. Can you tell me about that? So, living over there is. If you guys have ever been in Inglewood or South Central, is every block there's a gang. Any block you go, like one block to another block, and any time you go to that block, you have to make sure you're in the right neighborhood. Um, There will be such as like um, street corners that will be tagging says, you are entering to whatever gang, Bloods, Pyru, um, Crips, Serenios on that south side of the Mexican Mafia gang. Um, Anywhere you go, you have to make sure you're wearing the right colors. Any color that you wear wrong, you will be shot. Uh, I grew up with 52 family members, so there's a lot of cousin aunts, uh, just my mom. Uh, I was the only child, but the only thing was I had no dad, so a lot of people used to look down on me. Due to the being is uh, English was not my first language. Chinese Vietnamese was, so I could not communicate much with people. So I got held back in kindergarten where my family thought I was born retarded. So like actually with, with mental disability, mental disability, okay. they really thought I was dumb. Uh, I grew up where people told me you are worth nothing in life. You should probably go kill yourself. Um, you should eat dog's poop because that's where your brain is. That type of stuff, negativity I grew up to where I was seeking somebody else for help and family mm-hmm. fellowship. Right. You're looking for company, you're looking for someone that cares for you, that will boost you up. And the gang that I met was a family. We get jumped in, and then we get burned in, third-degree burn on our hands. Mm, so, so that's the that's the scar that you have on your wrist. I've seen that before, and I was wondering how that happened. And that is from you entering the gang. They yeah. burn you in. They, so you're marked. Yes. You get a third-degree burn by... Smoking eight cigarettes, they smoke eight cigarettes in your hand, rips off a peel, smokes it again, rip another one off, smoke again, rip another one off. So as a kid, there's a chance that you can't get gangrene. Mm-hmm. We had one guy got almost got gangrene where they had to stitch his up. Because from here... Your Yours looks stitched. like it's stitched. No, it was not. So that's basically... The gang smokes cigarettes, and then they burn the cig- your skin with the cigarette. They're smoking the cigarette while burning you. Oh, they are smoke. They are putting the cigarette on your skin, and they are smoking. inhaling and smoking it in and burning your skin. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. People who are like, how old were you? I'm like 11 years old. Mm-hmm. So you were 11 years old when you entered the gang. Yeah. Okay, and now... In the gang, you you entered because you were seeking fellowship, family, companionship uh, that you weren't getting from your biological family. Yes. Okay. Now you're in the gang. This is age 11. Um, of course, gangs uh, operate under different rules, and I'm, I'm sure yes, there different are politics. different politics within it. Uh, was there anything specific about uh, those politics that got you... Um, where you are today? Yes and no. Yes is always be loyal. Never snitch on your homeboy. 
never date your homeboy's ex and never steal from your friends. Okay. Those stuck with me for the rest of my life where it became morals to me. No, it's because they believe that to gain that, you must take kids at that age into the car, driving around at that age, and whatever they tell you to do, you must do, just so you could grow those balls. Because mm-hmm. as, as a kid, you're scared. No one has balls. So to them is, hey, here's a gun. We're going to go to this neighborhood and we're going to shoot. And the thing is, they don't tell you there's no bullets in it. You don't know. But the person you're about to shoot is actually your friend. And even though your friend's not from that gang, they'll be like, shoot him now. You better shoot him now or we're going to shoot you with that gun. So in your mind, you're like, oh, my God. Your heart's beating fast and what do you do? You're like, it's either me or them. And you shoot and that gun doesn't go off and you're like, what just happened? And you're just so shocked and you're like, well, at least we know you have the balls now. Now you got the boss, right? Mm-hmm. And from there, that's how you slowly start building up no fear. Your mind gets brainwashed to the point where you no longer think regular people are your friends, but rather your enemies or somebody you can make money off of, especially when you're selling drugs. As a kid, they start giving you drugs to sell because once you get caught and you do the dirty work, you usually don't go to prison forever. You come out. Your chance is going to youth authorities, known as YA after juvie, is for them is, hey, you do the dirty work, we'll sit back and we'll watch where you go. And when after you do, keep doing the dirty work and then you get promoted, you get promoted. The one thing a lot of people don't know when they join a gang is, no matter how crazy you are, there's always somebody else that's going to try to be crazier than you. And it took me a while to learn that growing up. When I thought I was the craziest, but the problem was there's always someone that's trying to come behind me to take over my place. It's a cutthroat. Mm-hmm. Just like a business. It's going to cut your throat. People will find ways to overcome you. Yeah, that, that's... I mean, I I can't even imagine. But I'm feeling really stressed right now just hearing you say this. And to think that this is something that exists in the world and it's not far away from us. It's right around the corner. This is happening. It's happening daily. Even just yesterday, I was talking to Tanaya, to my daughter, and she was telling me about how uh, one of her friends got shot just two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And it was, he simply happened to be in someone else's neighborhood at the wrong time, uh, and he got shot. Uh, and it's it's just crazy to see what culture can do and 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 hearing you talk about um uh, you feeling like you were you know i'm the craziest and then seeing someone else uh wanting to one up you uh and get even crazier in terms of the actions the things that you're doing what is it you think people are chasing what what is it you're looking for in terms of uh climbing the the ranks within a gang you're looking for entitlement, right? You're looking for that title. You're looking for people to respect you. You're looking for power. You're looking for people to follow you. You want to be a leader. For us, is this is what leadership is, not understanding what true leadership is in life. Mm-hmm. So with that problem is, for us to be a leader is, how much crime can you commit without being caught? Or how much crime can you commit being caught and get out and still commit crime without being caught? So for us, is this is leadership. This is what life is called to do, is to be a leader. We don't want to be followers, but the sad part about it is we are followers. And a lot of us don't understand that because we're blinded by light. We're blinded by life. We're blinded by money. We're blinded by women. We're blinded by drugs. We're blinded by just things that they keep feeding you. Right. They feed you that the government hates you. They feed you that your family doesn't care about you. We were here from you from the beginning. We made you. We created you. And we can destroy you if we have to. So you're always on tippy toes like, dude, am I doing what 
is right or what I'm doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. Because it sounds like you're operating out of love. Like you, you want to be part of this family. You want to be respected. Uh, you want to be treated like an equal within uh, the family. But you also need to have a role. And within yes. that role, you need to uh, own it and then climb the ladder so you can carry on some sort of tradition and culture. Yes. And in a way, the the positive intent behind the gang is to keep the crew safe. Yes. Is that is that correct or am I off? We want to keep each other safe, but the problem a lot of people don't see that we or our, I have witnessed as a kid is, like I said, it's, it's always going to be someone more crazy than you, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if it's a kid trying to become a leader where the sad part is one person got set up where the kid came in from behind, shot him in the legs, where both his legs were. He's, he was bowing down because his legs. Okay, so work. so back up. This is a situation where uh, some uh, one of the kids within a gang got set up. The kid set the boss up. Oh, he wanted to climb the 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 rank, so he set the boss up. And what what did he do? He shot the boss in his calves, where he cannot run or walk or move. So he's on his knees. From there, the kid came up to the boss and say, hey, I am the new boss. Kiss my shoe or I will kill you. Most gangbangers, what? We have our pride. No, kill me. So the kid took him out. He's a new boss. That's why I always tell people it's a cutthroat business. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people do not understand what cutthroat means. It's life for life, mm-hmm. title for title. Doesn't matter what the cost is. Like I always tell um, kids when I grew up was count the cost. Is it worth the cost? What you go home and sleep with? Is it worth it being on your conscience every day? Is it worth losing what you think is f- like freedom? Is it worth losing freedom? Is it worth losing everything that you love so much in this world mm-hmm. until anything could just shut down? You don't know when you're not, right? Yeah. This is life. Yeah, so it feels like um, you learned some very valuable lessons that now you're you're definitely uh, forwarding to youth and to myself. I mean, I'm, I'm learning just listening to you now, and I've, I've heard you speak about this now for over a year. And I feel like I'm learning every day just hearing it. Um, I, I want to kind of get into, before we dive into uh, more of the, the politics and culture of the, of the gang, is I, w- I want to kind of uh, dive into the moment where um, you got to the point within your behaviors with the gang that uh, landed you in prison. Um, how did you get to the point where... Y- you went to prison. How, how did that happen? Because you were 11, uh, but you didn't go to prison until you were... About 19. 19. So that's eight years. What did it look like? What did the road to prison look like for you? I honestly never thought I would get caught. I always thought I was the smartest guy. I had a real phone and a burner phone. Selling drugs, doing things, always trying to hide my tracks. Mm -hmm. Um, The worst part of this all was when my own homeboy wanted to do a drug trade, but didn't want to do it. So called me to do it because it was fishy to him, but he didn't tell me this. I called a person trying to do the drug trade. Came to the point where the guy that we were talking to, he was working with undercover and didn't know. And the problem was was this, was he was so tear-totter, taking too long with the trade, and it came to a point we were going to jack him. We were going to jack him. Undercover. We didn't know it was undercover. So when we were driving on the freeway, we had fake drugs. We had our gun stashed inside the car, and we had a vet, some truck driving next to it. It just seemed like a regular truck that was carrying food or whatever, to his next destination, uh, just random cars around us, and a red light, red blue light came on behind us. The truck pulled over. Ten more cars pulled over to the side, and they were all next to us, and we did not know. 
It was the DEA. They pulled us out and arrest us. And What's the a, DEA, for those who don't know? It's the Drug Task Force, man. They are federal government that's looking to bust people every day. That If you ever watch Narcos, DEA's right there. You ever watch, uh, what's his name, um, Chapo, DEA's looking for him. We're always looking ways to enforce drug trafficking and stopping it, right? Mm-hmm. So that happened to you guys. These guys pulled you over, basically. It shocked me to the point where I was like, what the hell just happened? The guy that we called, or I called, that I got set up with, his phone was tapped. So a lot of individual doesn't know your phone is a microphone. The police, the government could turn it on anytime without you knowing and listen to you. No one knows this until I experience it. They listened to our whole conversation, recording it the whole time, and knew where every secret stash spot was in our car. So they took our gun, they took the drugs, took us back to the federal building, test a drug, but it was Laffy Taffy's, and they had to let us go. But the only thing we didn't know was, why were you? Why did you have fake drugs? Because you felt like this was a fishy. Uh, we deal. wanted to steal from the guy. It oh, was you were going to steal from the guy. We were going to rob him. Okay, so this was okay. This is getting even crazier. Okay, you were going to rob the guy, and we are grateful that we didn't because that was an undercover that we were going to rob. We would have been shot on site. We would have had like worse charges than I had now. Mm-hmm. We, we were like, dude, this is 80 grand. This guy's bringing 80 grand to us. We're like, what kind of idiot will even bring 80 grand to a hotel? Is that why you felt like it was fishy? That's how why we felt like it's fishy. So we have fake drugs. And if he did have the money, all right. You're, 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 you're going to rob, rob that. Yeah. Rob okay, so uh, you get taken in. Uh, they let you go because your drugs are Laffy Taffy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what happens next? So they let us live our life. For the next two years, that's when they all came and got us. Because the main guy that was in the car with me went to China for vacation. They were waiting for him to come back. But during that time, I went to state prison. So you were you went to state prison while he was in China? Yes. Uh, and this was for something else? This is for uh, a bar fight. Okay, and then you got let, let go? I got Right when I was getting released, that's when I got picked up again. That's when the whole federal government came and got me. And why did you get picked up? Because of you being associated with the guy that was in China? Yes. I At first, when I got picked up, I did not know what was going on until I saw all, there was like 18 of us being indicted. They just came to your house and got you? All of us. Every single one of us. So this is basically the gang all this gets is, pulled in. This is multiple gangs. This is the only... There was only three people from my gang were in this case because due to the fact is it wasn't our crime it was some other gang's crime that we were trying to help out and with us not knowing what was going on was we all got indicted with them even though we're not from their gang so the day when I knew it was serious because when they came to pick me up I just came out of state prison my mom I was living with her they came and slammed my door at 4 in the morning where you hear and you're like What's going on? They keep slamming, slamming, where I just, I'm barely waking up, waking up. My mom's downstairs trying to open the door, and I'm coming behind her. I'm like, what's going on? It was a task force with machine guns and lights on their head going, get down, get down, get down. I'm like, what the, what's going on? What's going on? My mom's having a heart attack almost. She's freaking out, and they're like, are you Tony down? Are you Tony down? I'm like, yes, yes, yeah, yes, and they arrest me. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Is this a prank? Am I being like punked? I don't know what's going on. Then they took me up and I to the car and I told me, hey, let me speak to my mom or she will have a heart attack. She has a very weak heart. So I came to my mom like, hey mom, I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry, but I'll be back. I'll be back. I promise you, I'll be back. She's like, where are you going? What's going on? I was like, I don't know, mom. I'll find out. I'll call you. I'm sorry. Because I had no idea what's going on. They took me to Los Angeles where we were all placed on the floor. The news reporter was there. They're taking pictures of us. And there was 18 of us. I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, shit. This is, I was like, I'm figuring my head. I think I know what this is. I didn't know it was the U.S. government until we went to the federal building. 
where it became real to me when they said Tony Dam versus United States of of America versus instead of state of California. That means that Obama is against me. The whole United States against me. And from whatever I thought I knew, it woke me up. And in that moment, you that just like, moment, it, it just, got you. It got me where they're like, I'm like, why am I being charged? Why am I being charged with Tony? You're being charged account of conspiracy of intentional sale of controlled substance of ecstasy. I'm like conspiracy. You mean you could tell me you could arrest me for talking on the phone, even though the drugs weren't there. Yes. And that's when I found out the minimum. Mandatory was 10 years. 100. When they tell you 120 months in your mind, you're like, oh, that's not that much. Until you convert into years, you're like, oh my God. They want to give me 10 years. And boom, you're locked up. Boom, I'm locked up. From there was my breaking point was when my mom came to visit me for my 21st birthday. And all you have is a window. And this window broke my heart because the point where you have 15 minutes to talk, they cut off the voice and she put her hand on that window. And I put my hand there. It, it, bro- it broke my heart. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. When you have to look your mom through that mirror, not being able to say anything and you just stare at her and you're like, what have I done? And that's when everything hit me and I'm like what am I doing with my life what what I thought was right and what I thought I knew I did not know mm-hmm. and that's when I was like F this I gotta change something gotta change something gotta come and that's when everything starts transforming and I start seeking justice about my life rather blaming everybody rather blaming my family because I made the choices in life and that's when I realized it's my fault that I'm in prison. I can't blame my mom for not being there. I cannot blame my family for calling me dumb. I can't blame my homeboys for getting me into this because in the end, I finally realized it was a choice. I made the choice of coming to prison and I was not ready for that choice until that very moment when he sentenced me, Mr. Dam, I sentenced you 120 months. That's when my whole life changed from there. Crazy. Yes. But look at you now. Yeah. Crazy. So let's fast forward a little bit. Where are you now? I am currently a head coach at Telegraph CrossFit. I'm a CrossFit level two. Um, also getting ready to compete in weightlifting. Trying to go to American Open Series 3. Um, trying to make a transformation camp where I could focus youth at risk as well with adults and how we could build character, community, fitness, and just apply it to everyday life. That's uh, getting re- got engaged. That's also beautiful. We just got our own place. Um, getting ready to move there tomorrow. That's amazing. First and. I'm actually living in the most expensive city and actually surviving in life. Making I would say you're thriving. Dude. You're thriving, not surviving anymore. You're you're thriving. Yes, I am thriving. And I can't be more grateful. You know, I have great mentors in my life. Angel, I have you. I have the probation department that loves me, that looks at me as a poster child to all the inmates that are coming out. Where do you want me to come and speak on a panel? about how my life has changed. So I'm grateful, you know, mm-hmm. trying to make reentry happen for everybody where we could stop, hopefully stop, and make a new future for kids. A lot of adults now are focused on guys coming out of prison, women coming out of prison, but no one is ever looking at the kids. Mm-hmm. The adults, they could affect the future in so many ways, but the kids are the one that's going to run the future. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be our next president that the kids are growing up next to us? We don't know. Who's going to be the next teacher? Who's going to be the new CrossFit coach, athlete, weightlifting athlete? Who's going to be the news reporter? But we're so focused on what's going on 
rather than what can we can build from this very moment. And I want to be able to build even just one kid if it to what work for Rogue or become an athlete or the mayor, anything positive where he could help other kids. And he's like, I remember someone took a chance on me. I want to take a chance on this person because Angel took a chance on me when I was very transparent coming out and telling him, this is me. I've been in prison for eight years. I sentenced for 10, but hey, you take a chance on me and I will not fail you in look where we are today i'm the head coach running the gym and he's like family to me so Mm -hmm. i'm grateful yeah um intense uh i mean you had a very hard start very hard start and it it led you to a very hard transition it did in prison to now having a pretty hard finish because i know how early you wake up every day i know how many hours you spend in the gym i know how much effort you put into every aspect of your life from your training to your coaching to your relationship to finding a safe place to live like you you are doing something that's very uh hard and that requires uh, a lot of effort and one of the things that to me stands out the most is your courage in being so vulnerable how how do you go from being someone who is in a gang who uh vulnerability uh would be something that would get you killed to being in prison and now uh utilizing vulnerability as your biggest strength how how do you do that how does how, how does tony do that while in prison i took a program we call it men of influence and my first speech to everybody inside of that was about being sorry for what I did wrong. I gave my life, a little bit of my life story, but at the end of the day, I was looking, I wasn't looking for everybody say, hey, it's going to be all right. Everything's going to be good. You're a good person. I was looking to say sorry for everybody I'd done wrong and the ripple effect I had around my community, to my family, and to everybody else in the world. And that I was asking for mercy upon my life and for another chance. And when I start crying, there was 30 of us in that program. Some of us start tearing up and crying because we all, felt the same way the problem was I never was able to identify what I was feeling I was only able to identify to myself was I'm pissed off fuck everybody so from that one guy his name was Prince Stanley while I was in prison with me he told me dude you just broke my heart he's like guys real men cries all that gangster shit people tell you about men don't cry no it takes a real man to cry. From there, where I kept applying to myself, it's all right. Sometimes it's okay to cry. Sometimes it's okay to just break down. It's okay to tell people how you're feeling. I was the type of person where I used to just bottle everything up and one day just explode. Fierce anger. And just do something stupid. Now, if I feel something that's bothering me, the one thing that you told me that I keep to myself every day was identify that feeling and what is it and get through it or just simmer in it, feel it, enjoy it, be mindful about it, then move on afterwards. And that's what I started doing every day in life and apply to my fitness, my job, my weightlifting, where I'm more content in life now than I was a couple months ago where I was very depressed and tired and just overworked instead of thinking about my past and future i honestly just think what's going on now for the next two seconds mm-hmm. and that's where contentment came from now that's awesome so it, clearly being courageous and expressing how you're really feeling and for example when you gave that presentation and you you broke down and you you were crying that that must have been a very big relief in that moment and uh, something that I've heard many times is that, uh, and I've experienced this, is that 
when you cry or when you do something that is very vulnerable, uh, it feels good afterwards. But for some reason, we're we're wired to feel ashamed of that or embarrassed of that. So we repress it. Uh, What was it that allowed you to let those tears out? Do you know? I thought about my past and when I look at my mom through that window. I also admit to those guys where when I was younger, I forced my ex to get an abortion, where I really broke that really broke the straw as well. When I started thinking about I killed my own flesh and bones, where I allowed it rather than stopping it. Because I told her, just go get it, just go get it, just go get it. I'm 15. I'm like, just go get it, just go get it. Where it was a poor choice that I made. And just all I knew in life was anger. It came to a point where when I reread the paper and I'm looking at the words before I even said it out loud, my whole emotions came out and I just felt sadness. I felt depression. I felt ashamed. And just staring at that paper, I was like, it's all right. It's all right. These guys, we're in closed door. Just let it out. And when I finally let it out, that's when everybody's like, this is what we need. This is real. This is not fake. This is transformation. This is transformation. You guys are here because you guys want to change. Because that group was to help us change to be better men. Rather, being with how everybody's in prison. Conform. Conform to the world, what people called you and labeled you, and stick to it. We were here to make a difference. And from there, that's when I told myself, it's only, the only way up is up, not down. Let's keep going up. Wherever it's going to fight you to go down, fight back up. And from there, what really changed my life was fitness. And I told you before it was when I was watching the CrossFit Games and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life at that time. And I'm just watching. I see Annie. And I was like, wow. Annie Thor's daughter. Annie Thor's daughter. I was like, look at her. Look at how she moved. Oh, my gosh. She's so strong. Where I was doing research about CrossFit. When we get Men's Health Magazine. Back in the day, that's when uh, CrossFit is barely coming out. And you're watching the games on ESPN. And I'm waiting for the right time to watch it. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. When are they playing? When are they playing? Right? And just watching it, like, oh, my goodness. And trying to figure out, like, how can I do CrossFit? And I always told myself, Tony, when you come out of prison, you're going to become a CrossFit Games athlete. Oh, my God. I was foolish. I thought I would be able to. I was wrong. Like, Tony, you're fighting against time. These people have been doing it for years. But you were excited about CrossFit. <laughs> I was. And during that time, was I'm watching Annie and how she's like winning the games for the first time and second time. And I was like, dude, this woman's amazing. Like, I want to meet her. And from there, I just kept working out, just kept doing Cindy. Cindy, over and over. I did uh, the workout with Annie. I just did the workout um Karen, whatever equipments we have that I'm able to do. I'm this was in it. prison. This is in you prison. You were doing CrossFit in prison with CrossFit whatever prison. equipment you had. Yes. So that's why when it came to, when I came out and I told people, all I know is strict. Strict pull-ups, strict uh, push-ups, whatever. I don't know. what What's this butterfly? What's this kip? I never understood what this gymnastic movement is. I did burpees. For us, burpees was with a push-up. Not chest on the floor, but just a push-up and come back up. I just fell in love with it the gi jane in prison thinking it's wow this is cool like i'm able to do this this is just awesome and just fell in love with it and when i came out my priority was to help a nonprofit where i could help kids my goal was to do cross become crossfit level one open a gym to help kids during that time was my nonprofit had a different view didn't want me to focus so much on Olympic lifting, but rather I was working in the kitchen as a. You want you wanted to do fitness with this nonprofit that yes. you were assigned to work with as you were re-entering in society. Yeah, but instead I was an executive chef. Our restaurant was uh, down at Third Hudson, down in uh, Bayview's Hundred Points. If a lot of people in Bay Area know where that is, not not a nice, not a nice place. Mm-hmm. Um, worked in the kitchen where a lot of the money was going to men re-entering society where we have a men's home where guys have the choice if they want to move in and be changed and live a right life 
and a woman's home. You don't have to be there if you don't want to. This is all up to you. So I lived there and committed 12 months. Also, the kitchen that I worked at, the money also go to people in Ethiopia where we have a half million dollar house where it was a safe home for women that was being sold into prostitution that want to get out of sex trafficking. And I believed in all of that because I fight against human trafficking. Any person that disgraced women or say things that to hurt women in any way, I would stand up for them. So I got into that. My heart was into that. My heart was also into kids. We would walk around Portrayal Hill, West Point, Double Rock. These are the hoods and turf down in Bayview Center Point where we would go talk to people, reach out to the community. People were hungry. We would feed them. Just things like that to show them, like, hey, we, you guys probably think we're smart, rich people, but we're not. We're just here to help you guys. We're coming out of prison, too. We're some guys that were helping us and women were helping us. Never been to prison, but they want to help out one way or another, right? Give back to the community. So I stayed there and gave him my dreams of fitness where I was under an umbrella. I listened to my mentors, where they told me I would do. It came to a point where they were taking my freedom more and more away. Things that I wanted to do and love, such as working out. How can I make this fitness helping kids where, hey, you need to do this. You got to tell us where you're going. Uh, Tony, you got to be in bed by nine. I was like, oh, my gosh. I felt like I'm coming back into prison. Mm, So as you were reentering society and you were part of this organization, uh, you were doing all these things that... Uh, they were telling you to do, but you knew were valuable. But you got to a point where you're like, wait a second. I'm tired. I'm just tired. I'm, I'm not living my life. I'm living in somebody else's life that tell me what I need to do and what not to do. Mm-hmm. Where, where was my own choice now? I had no choice. So well, after I finished my time there, left, ran out. Most people from here is I moved into SLE, known as Sober Living Environment, $900 to share a house with one be- with a bedroom with another guy. There was nine of us. We're all sharing bedrooms. They're making money off of us. And I'm like, damn, what am I going to do? I was paying rent. That was 500 and that was 900 I was working for Acrobat, known as a temporary job. And during that time, like I told many people, was it was a rough time for me. I had to go to work just to eat. I would eat one big meal, and during that time was I was also interning for Telegraph CrossFit with Angel. Okay, so just to recap this, you've been released from prison. You uh, joined the reentry program. You start working for this reentry program. At the same time, you're living in sober living housing, so you're uh, rooming up, but you're now paying through the work that you're doing. Yes. and uh, you're so short on money and resources that you're only having one meal a day. Yes. And But you're realizing that uh, you want to have uh, freedom in terms of how you choose to live your life. Yes. So you pursued fitness, which was something that you loved, and you found Telegraph CrossFit, and there was Angel. Yes. And Angel gave you a shot, and he gave you an internship position. Yes. Okay, cool. So now you're an intern at Telegraph, but you're also working, uh, doing almost like community service. Yes, community service, also doing um, working as a temporary job at, at wherever they sent me. It could be Giants Games, anything that's like food service. Mm-hmm. I knew best. I got sent around taking Ubers or taking the train, like the K train that if people ever took the Muni, the bus. So you're, 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 you're serving the community. Yes. You're serving the community. Where, where did you um, make the change where you said, okay, I'm going full-time into Telegraph? How did that transition happen? I'm going full-time into coaching CrossFit now. Tell me about this, that, that moment. That moment when the transition was when I was able to find a living space down by Stonestown Galleria where I was sharing a living room with college students where my rent was no longer 900 but was 500 but during that time I was working as a part-time job where I got approved as a front desk at 
a gym, a global gym called Fitness SF. Nice. So now you're out of the the community service work, community the reentry program, and now you're on your own. So you're able to shift away from there and find independence by finding your own space by yes. the by UCSF or no by uh, San Francisco State. Yes. Over there, lived there, worked, and at, you worked at a global gym, so a regular fitness gym at the front desk. Yes, I will work at four in the morning, and whatever time I left, I will go at Telegraph. During that time, before I could transition to Telegraph, I took my level one. During that level one, I failed. I remember that, and that's when I told you I wanted to give up. I fell into depression for a week, heartbroken to the point where. I was questioning myself where you read the manual 50, 60 times, remember everything word for word, and still fail. And that's when you told me, Tony, I took the test, I made the test, and I failed my own test. You're going to do something bigger than you think it is. The one, where they, the one thing you, you told me was think bigger, watch where you're going to be. Just close your eyes, Tony. Just close your eyes and just picture. Just chase after it. And during that time, I was like, this dude's a stupid ass. Carl's <laughs> <laughs> a stupid ass. Well, the beat reads me. I was like, what? But I just stuck to it. I was like, Tony, put your head down. Focus what's going on. And we'll see where you be in a couple months. Took my test a month later. Passed. And why when I passed was Telegraph was transitioning. Our head coach just left. And that's when Angel was like, are you ready to coach? And I told him, let's do this. From there, gave my two-week notice to Fitness SF, transitioned to Telegraph, and became a full-time coach. Most coaches that come there do not become full-time right off the bat. Angel gave me a chance, and this is when I start slowly developing my language my character, who I am as a person, and how can I apply it. A lot of athletes are there. They mostly think I'm, a jo- I'm joking around. Sometimes I might throw something smart at them to see what they say. My hashtag, if you ever notice, is always going to be the freestyle way or united by emotion. And I always promote that when you're in class. And a lot of people think I'm trying to promote your clothing line, but I'm not. I'm promoting a lifestyle that people don't understand. That we are all united by one way or another through how we walk and how we talk. That's how you got the motion going. When I tell them I'm living the freestyle way, they don't they don't understand the freestyle way is how are you being free with my freedom, the way I live with life. People don't catch on to that, and that's my story to be told because I kept that to myself. Until one day, someone asked me, "Why do you always say this?" That they don't understand why I say what I say because. What you told me and what you say every day, I take it to my life and I apply it. Instead of just following people and just going with the words and just saying stuff without understanding, have meaning. Those two words, United by Motion, the freestyle free, 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 way, has meaning to me because it changed my life. And just fell in love with it. That's amazing, dude. Well, yeah, uh, I'm speechless, of course. I'm just glad to hear you say something like that because what what I'm really hearing is beyond you being able to relate to some words that I may have shared with you is that the the key to transformation is realization. You realized that you wanted to change, that you wanted to live a different lifestyle. And it was maybe in that moment where you saw your mom on your 21st birthday, one of those moments. And also that um, you needed to strive for something. And maybe for you, at some point in time, it was CrossFit. And the other thing that I'm hearing is that you need to apply yourself. Like You need to apply the things that you're learning. Put them into play. And it's when you put them into play that you can see. And I think that's what I'm hearing when I hear you say these things. And to see you doing it is so inspiring. And that's why I wanted to have you on here because I feel like transformation is something that we're going through daily. Every second we're transforming. But we only notice it if we are aware of this moment. right? And uh, I think your story... um, is is something that is is happening in the world it's 
you're not the only one that has gone through something like this, but it's also within our circle, our bubble, yeah. the the gym, it's an anomaly. It's it's not the norm. And it's a story that needs to be told over and over again because it contains such valuable information that I think people can take with them. What would you say um, to those who are listening that the keys for transformation are for you, from your perspective? What, what are some keys that they can take home with them? The one thing I would tell people that I apply to my transformation that I stick to is always have a plan. But when you do have that plan, how are you going to execute it? And when you do execute it, you have to ask yourself, do you have the capacity to continue to execute every day? The mindfulness of living this life, of this transformation of you being transformed every day, as well as myself, it's, it's a rough road. There's going to be bumpy roads. There's going to be bumpy times. And there's times you're going to want to give up. But you continually have to remind yourself why you're doing what you're doing i want to be transformed is because i want to transform others how do i transform order others by transforming myself by reminding myself every day why do i do what i do is it for myself or is it for myself that's going to give back to the greater good and it's an everyday fight where you have to persevere the one word that i have put a sticker on that's on my laptop every day was perseverance like to transform you to persevere through the hard times and the good times and a lot of us are not willing to persevere a lot of us want the good times no bad times and the bad times are is what's going to make you grow as a person that's when you will become a rock that will not crack the one saying that a lot of people don't understand is build your house on a rock and not on the sand where the storm will come and we'll break it down. If you build on that sand where you're expecting good things that will always happen, it's going to break. Once you have build on the rock, bad things, good things, you will be solid. And that's how we have to live is solid through that transformation of life. And that's how I love my life. Sick, dude. Thank you. This is Thank awesome. You. Dude, awesome. I, I'm pumped. I think that's it. That's, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, that made me think about a lot of stuff. I'm like, wow. Yeah, that, dude, you got something very unique, and it's it's awesome to just see you taking it to the next level. 